Well, children, you will find those, um, the words for tonight that you're listening for in the normal place in the bulletin. We're listening for the words lost and found and sheep and coin, uh, repent, and both joy and rejoice. And uh, while I have your attention, I'm sure... um, Some of you, many of you children, and I know probably many adults, you've seen the movie Hook, uh, 1991. Um, uh, It served as a sequel to J.M. Barrie's novel, 1911 novel, entitled Peter and Wendy. It was a movie that was directed by Steven Spielberg, and of course Robin Williams served as uh, the adult Peter Pan, who had forgotten all about his childhood. Um, You remember in in the movie uh, that there was a former lost boy by the name of Tootles. And Tootles uh, wandered around the Banning house, uh, muttering the words, I've lost my marbles. Um, It was funny, uh, it was a little awkward, it was a little charming, and it was a little sad, all at the same time. Um, near the end of the movie, um, Peter is, before he leaves Neverland and is to return to London, uh, one of the current lost boys by the name of Thudbutt uh, gives him a small bag, gives Peter a small bag uh, that contains uh, Tootles' marbles, uh, his happy thoughts. And uh, Robin, of course, uh, or Peter replies, he actually did lose his marbles. And and, uh, Thudbutt says, uh, he lost them good. Um, One of the uh, favorite, my favorite scenes is when Peter arrives back in London. And he walks up to Tootles and hands in the bag. And Tootles opens the bag and pours out the marbles in his hand, and the look of sheer joy on his face when he sees the marbles. And he says very clearly, look, I I didn't lose my marbles after all. And he begins to laugh, and he he throws up his hands, and the bag has got some fairy dust in it, and, and it falls on him, and he begins to float into the air, and the maid begins to yell and scream and run towards him, and the Banning family begins to laugh, and Toodles kind of turns around and flies out the window. They're all rejoicing because something that had been lost was now found. Now, children, let me ask you a question. What was the last thing you lost? Was it a toy? Maybe a stuffed animal? Uh, Some of you that are older, maybe you lost your homework. Mom and Dad, what about you? What was the last thing you lost? Your keys? Your wallet, debit or credit card, your phone, 
uh, maybe a ring, your glasses, uh, a sock. What about a username or password? A file, right, or a document on your computer? Some of you, uh, well, what about a, a pet, right, cat or dog? Some of you know what it's like to lose a child in this building or in the store uh, or in a large crowd. Now think about, everybody, think about how did you feel when you found it? What were the emotions that were wrapped up in what you found Probably in every case, there were a range of emotions from happiness to extreme joy, but probably in all cases, there was this sense of relief. The thing or person that was lost, depending upon what it was and the length of time that it had been lost, probably affected how you felt once, once you got it back. Um, you may have had others, and, and, and you may have had others looking for you. And so when it was found, or I should say for you or with you, and when it was found, the joy, right, was multiplied times the number of people that were helping you. But everybody was excited. Right? They had been bearing that burden with you, and they experienced almost a similar joy that you yourself felt. Well, in chapter 15, we have, uh, that we're going to be looking at this week and next, there are three stories that Jesus tells, and all of them involve something that was lost that is now found. Tonight, we're going to see, we're going to see or, or, or walk through the stories of a lost sheep and a lost coin, and the next week, we'll see the story of a lost son. But all three... Are, are, are to be taken together, though we're going to take them separately. Tonight, our outline is going to look like this as we walk through these two, um, these two stories. We're going to see that Christ seeks and saves. We'll see that Pharisees grumble and judge. The lost um, listen and repent. And then, of course, lastly, heaven rejoices. And as is, as is our custom, let's go to the Lord in prayer before we continue, all right? Uh, Father, by your Spirit, would you grant power to the preaching of your Word? We ask you to do that every week. We ask you to do that this week. Uh, grant us ears to hear and eyes to see. Grant us the ability to appraise and apprehend the truth regarding Christ and His gospel. Awaken our attention, convict us, and challenge us. And then we ask that you would refresh us and encourage us and comfort us. I remain weak and needy for this task to which you've called me, and so I am asking for your support and strength and the filling of your spirit that I might do something good for you tonight. Would you speak through me? Help me to communicate clearly and fervently and fluently and with grace for the sake of Christ and His church. Amen. Well, you remember, and even if you don't remember, all you have to do is go back a verse from chapter 15 to the end of 14 uh, to see the last words that Luke wrote in that chapter, and they are the words of Jesus, and he said in those words, he who hears, let him hear. 
And in the beginning of 15, as you just heard John read, uh, we now, at that point, Luke describes who it is that has ears to hear. And verse 1 says that the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear Him. And of course, the Pharisees were not at all happy about that. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about that in just a minute. We're going to see how they responded. Uh, We're not going to look at exactly why they respond the way they do just yet, but we want to look specifically at what they said because they're significant words. They say, this man receives sinners and eats with them, And and they meant that in a derogatory fashion. They were trying to be negative, but in actuality, it is the perfect description of the best news that anyone could ever hear. It's the best news that you and I could hear even tonight. Jesus receives sinners and eats with them. Jesus accepts uh, and desires to fellowship with and alongside Uh, sinners. He desires to share his life with sinners. We've called them the least, the last, and the lost, to use words from Matthew. Uh, He moves moves with compassion toward sinners. He moves with compassion toward those who are undesirable. He moves toward the riffraff and the spiritually bankrupt, the physically impaired and diseased, the morally impure, the ethically uh, corrupt, the rebellious, toward the rebellious, toward the disobedient, and He draws them to Himself. And we say, why? Why would He do that? And He answers that question, and He's going to answer that question later on in chapter 19, But from his own mouth, he says he had come. His purpose in coming was to seek and save the lost. That's why he had come. And to once again explain and shed light on on what the Pharisees and, and scribes continued to miss regarding his heart and regarding his mission, he tells these stories. The first is a story of a shepherd who goes out into the open country to find a lost sheep that he owned. The second story is of a woman who scours her house looking for a coin that she had dropped. And the similarities between the stories are why we take them together and why we'll save the third story for next week. And there are a few things I want us to notice about these two stories. And the first is this. Notice that the main characters of the stories, the shepherd and the woman, were themselves subcategories of uh, those who were considered the least, last, and lost. Right? We have a shepherd and a woman who were not well-to-do. They're probably middle class at best. And both of them were disregarded in the eyes of society particularly the religious elite. And that's purposeful on his part. Notice, secondly, that they both had something, they both lost something of value. Right? The, the sheep was probably worth three months' wages. The coin was worth, was a tenth of this woman's savings. 
And even though he had more sheep and she had, she still had nine coins, right, that which they had lost become, had become their primary focus. It wasn't that what they continued to have dropped in value or was not significant. It was just that those things that had been lost had now become more important at the moment. It, they had become the most important thing to both of them. Which leads to the third similarity. They both went to great lengths to find what was lost. The shepherd went high and low, right? He, he went probably for miles in the open co- country over various types of terrain, both night and day, until he found the sheep. The woman found a lamp and a broom so that she could sweep the dirt floor in her windowless house until she could hear that coin clink in some way. The sheep was, uh, neither was going to be thwarted Right? They weren't going to give up. They were going to find what was lost. And then fourthly, we see that what they had lost was not going to find itself. Right? The, sheep, the lost sheep was not going to wander into the sheepfold by itself. And the coin was not going to jump up out of the dirt and land in the woman's hand. They had to both be found. There, there was... The sheep, if, if someone didn't intervene, the sheep was going to have to be saved from predators and disease and death. The coin was going to have to be restored, right? It, it, laying in the dirt, it was useless. So someone was going to have to intervene, find the coin to restore its usefulness. If what was lost was going to be found, the owner was going to have to do something on its behalf. And Jesus' point of court is pretty obvious. He had come to seek and save the lost. He hadn't come for the healthy. He had come for the sick. He hadn't come for all of those who had it together. He had come for those who were just plain a mess. He hadn't come for those who were polished on the outside. He had come for those who were tarnished on the inside. As I said a moment ago, He had come to draw the undesirable, the riffraff, the spiritually bankrupt, the morally impure, the ethically corrupt, the disobedient, and the rebellious. And this is great news. This is great news for all of us in this room. Because guess what? We're all in that state, right? Uh, we were meeting with a couple of children this afternoon and uh, prior to the service, and one of the things I said, you know, only sinners join our church. The righteous don't join churches, only sinners, right? As the prophet Isaiah says, all we like sheep have gone astray. All of us, 
We've all turned, everyone, to his own way. So every man, woman, boy, and girl, members, guests within the room tonight, we all fall into that category. We are all like sheep. We're all timid like sheep. We're all fearful like sheep. We're all stubborn like sheep. And I know for some families this is the S word, but we're all stupid like sheep. We're susceptible to attack internally and externally. We have the propensity to wander and to drink from dirty water sources that satisfy our sins. We have the tendency to eat the noxious weeds of vain worldly philosophies and human traditions. We're foolish and we're discontent. We're competitive. We play follow the leader down slippery slopes and fall into deep crevices. And apart from intervention, we would continue to wander and we would fall prey to predators, we would become diseased, and we would ultimately die. We're also like lost silver coins, right? We bear the image of our maker, but we become tarnished and worn because we've been exposed And we become useless and purposeless as a result of our sin. And again, apart from intervention, our worth, our usefulness, and our own purpose that is only found in the one who created us would never be restored apart from Him. And the great news is that the heart and purpose of Christ is to seek and save sinners like us. He will search high and low and far and wide for those who are His. He will search fervently. He will search diligently. He will search faithfully and tirelessly until He has found all who are His. He, He will... He will pursue to the point of exhaustion. And this is His heart because it's the Father's heart. right? It's God's heart. From the very beginning, God has been about searching for the lost. Genesis chapter 3, it reminds us, right? After the fall, Adam and Eve ran and hid. They covered themselves and then they ran and hid from God. But what does God do? In verse 9 it says, The Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? Even then, God exhibiting his heart to find those who are lost. It's always been that way. It will always be that way. He will not stop. Jesus will not stop until all his sheep are found. He will find who he's looking for. And his resolve... He's resolved to find his sheep. And that resolve also provides assurance and security because it translates to a resolve never to let them go. Well, as I mentioned a moment ago, this statement that this man receives sinners and eats with them was meant to be derogatory. It wasn't a compliment. And Luke says that the Pharisees and the, and the scribes, they said that grumbling. Your translation may say murmuring. 
right? They're, they're talking under their breath. It's the same word used to describe the Israelites as they're wandering in the wilderness. So the Pharisees are basically grumbling with discontent, and they're sitting in judgment, not only of Jesus, but of the sinners that He's eating with and that He's receiving. So their pride and arrogance is on full display in, in their minds, right? They didn't need to hear Jesus' message of repentance because the kingdom was for those who were righteous and they themselves were the righteous ones. They were the obvious righteous ones. You know, they were perturbed because they, they believed they were the ones for whom the kingdom was for, not those people. They were the ones that had earned entrance into the kingdom, not those people. They were the ones who were upright and clean, so upright and clean as a matter of fact that to be even near those people would have been unthinkable. It was actually better. They believed it was actually better to avoid those people. Right? It was better for them to withdraw from the world and enter into their own little holy huddles and not associate with those of ill repute. It was better to do that than to actually come near them. Right? It was better to, uh, better to withdraw than to actually come near and share the truth. Their, their own commentary on the law said it was better to do that than to even share the law, get close enough where you could share the law with them. I mean, think about that. It was better to isolate themselves than to share what was true that would be for their best interest. Well, the tax collectors and sinners, on the other hand, responded very, very differently. They were hearing what he said, they were interpreting what he said, they were processing what he said, they were considering it, and then they were acting accordingly. They believed him when he told them that he was the long-awaited, much-anticipated Messiah. They believed him when, when he told them that he had come to save them from their sins. They listened, and as they heard, they believed Him when He told them that salvation was only through Him. They believed Him when He said that they must strive to enter into the narrow door because He was the only way to salvation. They believed Him when, when He told them that they must repent of their sin and receive the forgiveness that He alone would offer. And rather than arrogance or pride... They responded with humility. They responded with humility by admitting that he was right and they were wrong. They responded with humility and acknowledged their need and that he was the only one that could meet that need. They knew they were helpless. Right? They humbled themselves to the point that they got it. We get it. We're riffraff. We're in need. But they humbled themselves, though helpless, as, as being helpless, they, they also knew that they were not hopeless. They were not hopeless 
because they knew, having listened to Him, they knew that He loved them and sought them out and found them and received them and was sharing life with them. And that brings us to the final point. Look at verse 5. And when He has found it, He lays it on His shoulders rejoicing. And when He comes home, He calls together His friends and His neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with Me, for I have found My sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Now jump down to verse 9. And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so, I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. This is the primary focus or point of the passage. And I have to tell you, after weeks of stressing the severity and inevitability of judgment, we get a glimpse into the heart of God and the heart of our Savior, who does not take pleasure in the destruction of the wicked, but instead rejoices when people repent and turn from their sin and away from their evil way. There's an immediate rejoicing that goes on, and there is an a, uh, ongoing rejoicing that goes on. Right? There, there's a joy in the searching, and there's a joy in the finding. And it's a joy that's shared by the Father, and the Son, and the heavenly hosts of heaven, and the angels not only experience their own joy at the salvation of sinners, they get to see the joy of God. And they celebrate together. There's a celebration in heaven. And it's a joy that should be celebrated. Jesus says it should be celebrated. Why? Because it's the greatest joy to ever be experienced. There's no joy like it. There's no joy more important And we should all jump up and down and triumph every time a sinner comes to faith and repents of their sin and comes to the Lord Jesus. So what do we take away? There are three takeaways, implications, considerations um, that I'd like for us, or I'd like to share tonight. And the first is this, on on His cross, Christ bore the burden of sin and shame on behalf of those who could not carry it themselves. And He now seeks seeks them and calls, calls out to them by His Spirit through the gospel. And if you're not a believer, right, well, let let me back up, and from our passage, And when they respond, he hoists them up on his shoulders and carries them home. If you are not a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, please hear me when I say you may be helpless, but you are not hopeless tonight. Because there is a Savior. Christ continues to seek and save those who are lost. He continues his search 
He continues to look high and low and far and wide for those who are His. And whether, whether you're wandering aimlessly, right, you're wandering um, aimlessly following your own appetites and desires, because that's all you've known, or you're purposefully, right, rebelling, pushing back and going your own way, or even, even if you may be this evening, someone has perpetrated a sin against you, and you are now carrying that shame, and it sets you on a course of, that it's really can't, can be described, described as only self-destructive, please know, whatever the case may be, if you're, you're lost, He invites you to come. The invitation is to come to Him and find rest for your souls. Repent of your sin and look to Christ for the forgiveness and the healing and the restoration that is found only in Him. Secondly, for those who are straying due to doubt, due to insecurity, or for those who regularly battle the fear of eventually, right, you're borrowing worry because you're, eventually, you're thinking eventually I'm going to stray, I'm going to wander, I'm going to, to leave the safety of the fold of God. Or for those of you that have family members who have, been, who have strayed and they may have once professed faith, but they have strayed from the fold of God, remember, remember that Christ diligently and persistently searches for those who are His and who are lost. And why is that? Listen to these words from Kenneth Bailey. It is the shepherd's willingness to go after the one, right, that gives the 99 their real security. If the one is sacrificed in the name of the larger good of the group, then each individual in the group is insecure. He knows that he too is of little value. If lost, he'll be left to die. But when the shepherd pays a high price to find the one, he thereby offers the profoundest security to the many. In other words, he's so diligent and persistent in searching for the lost that we can rest assured that he will not lose one of those he has found that are his. He would never lose that which he has worked so hard to secure, which is why he himself said, this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. And finally, brothers and sisters, again, Christ searches not over. He continues to search. He continues to seek and save the lost, and He does so by His Spirit, who continues to work in the midst of our world, and He does so by convincing, um, convicting people of, of their sin and convincing them of their need of a Savior. The Spirit does not quit working. The Spirit continues to call people 
to Christ. And he continues to do that through the gospel as the gospel is continually and continues to be proclaimed by his church who continues to go forth and fulfill its ministry of proclamation to all the world. Therefore, he continues right, to seek and search through us. So may I encourage us to guard against grumbling and judgment. May I encourage us to remember grace and compassion. The grace and compassion that's been extended to us in Christ. May we extend that to others. Let's guard against thinking in any way that we are so upright and clean that we need to steer clear of those types of people. Let's guard against the idea that it's better to withdraw and to isolate ourselves and to remain in our own holy huddles and avoid contact with sinners and feel as though that is better than to endanger our good names by being associated with those people and sharing the gospel with them. Listen to these words. From Philip Ryken. He says, We share the shepherd's joy by having his heart for lost sheep. We share his joy by joining his quest to seek and to save people who are lost spiritually. This means having compassion on their condition, not blaming them for their problems, but seeing their spiritual need. It means loving them and praying for them until they trust in Christ. Not leaving them to find their way into the fold, which lost sheep can never do, but going after them with the gospel. It also means shouldering the heavy burden of servant ministry, not complaining about all the trouble we have with people who need to know Christ, but asking Jesus for the strength to keep on caring. Let us remember that we offer what no other religion offers. We offer a God who has revealed Himself and searches for people. Every other religion, God hides Himself and puts the burden on the person to find Him. That's good news for our world. Let's remember that no one is beyond redemption. No one is beyond saving. No one is beyond compassion. And may we remain compassionate and diligent and persistent as we join Him in His search. And then may we share in the celebration. May we share in the celebration and the joy, jumping up and down in triumph each time one is found. Let's pray together. Well, Father, we ask by Your Spirit and grace that You would enable us to receive this Word with faith and love. Would You lay it up in our hearts and practice it in our lives? Water the hearts of those who have heard Your Word preached, and may the seed sown in weakness be raised in power and show forth fruit of righteousness. For Your glory, for our good, and for the sake of Christ and His church. 
Amen.